Hey everybody, you're listening to episode number 21 at The Messy Table, where life is not perfect, but God is always working, even today, right in the middle of your mess. I'm Jen Jewell, the host of this little podcast, and I just want to say welcome and let you know how honored I am to have you joining me in this highly imperfect space where we huddle together to remember what matters most. So I have some bad news and good news. The bad news is this will actually be the last episode for 2017, but the good news is we'll be back starting on January 9th ready and expectant for all that God has planned for the messy table in 2018. But first, it's almost Christmas, and Christmas is only a week and a half away, and I know some of you right now are listening to this as you're out frantically trying to finish that last minute shopping or moving your elf to some magical or mischievous spot, or maybe you're just trying hard to wrap up projects at work or at home before the kids are out of school or family comes to town. Hey, I'm right there with you, and I can start to feel extremely overwhelmed. But that's when we all just need to take a deep breath, Maybe walk outside for a minute and remember why this season actually exists. Little summary, God made this amazing world, we messed it up with our sin, and yet a Savior has been sent to us to pave the way to redemption. The Old Testament prophet Isaiah said, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. And as we see recorded in the New Testament, this prophecy, along with hundreds of others, have been fulfilled. We read in Colossians that Christ is the image of the invisible God. That means God loved us so much that He was willing to put on skin and become human to eventually reconcile humanity to Himself. So let's dare to not cover our ears or hide our eyes because we're distracted by the shiny lights and plastic toys. Let's remember just why we celebrate and who we worship. I also know that while Christmas season ushers in joy for so many, it can also be laced with heartbreak for others. Some of you are facing a first Christmas without a loved one, or maybe you see the holidays as a trigger of pain from your past or within your family. My guest today is the adorable and spicy Lindsay Torres, a mom of two boys, police officer's wife, pharmaceutical rep, and hilarious down-to-earth friend who would charge any army for someone she loves. In this episode, Lindsay bravely recalls some of her own wounds yet wants you to know that only God is the way to healing and forgiveness, as well as the only person in heaven or on earth who can define your value and worth. So wherever you are and whatever your story, grab your coffee, pull up a chair, and join us. Hi, Lynn. Hey, Jen. Welcome to the messy table. Thank you for being here. I'm completely humbled and honored to be sitting at this table with you. So thanks for having me. All right, so will you just give us a glimpse into the life of Lindsay Torres? What's it like being you? Oh, girl. (laughs) Where do I begin? It's messy, which is appropriate for me to be at your table Mm -hmm. right now. Um, It's crazy. I'm in a season of life with two small kids. My husband and I have been married for almost 14, a little over 14 years. Uh, We have two boys, Lincoln Josiah and Lawson Elijah. Lincoln is nine and Lawson is five, and they're just night and day. Oh my goodness. I've got the one that's the kind, sweet, obedient kiddo that listens first time, follows rules, and then you've got the spice of my life and my youngest. So between their activities and school and work that I do, um, I'm a pharmaceutical rep by day. Um, I've been in sales for almost 15 years. And so just between that and activities and kids and sports, it's just, it's busy. Mm-hmm. It's it's the everyday grind that mm-hmm. most, I feel like any American mommy is doing every day. <laughs> yep. Everybody's dealing with it. So my favorite memory ever 
of oh us. Oh my gosh. Is, so we were in life group together quite a while ago. How long has that been? God, oh well, I guess God. Lincoln's, Lincoln's nine. He's nine. Yeah. So, yeah. so probably it was before, before that. that. So 10 years. 10 years. Mm-hmm. And when Lincoln was born, it was... October 29th. Okay. I was going to say it was right around Halloween and we were having our life group Halloween party and it was pre-kids because yes. you were the first one to have a kid. First one. And so we have... At that time, we all still dressed up. Yes. Now we don't really ever do that. So we were all dressed up for our life group Halloween party, and we came up to the hospital all wearing our costumes. And I still remember that. You walking in, you were pregnant with Hallie, and you had... An outfit where it's the bun in the oven. Bun in the oven, yeah. And then what was Derek's? Was he, was, he was a chef, bun baker, yes. or like <laughs> daddy did it. Something, <laughs> I don't know, something like that. It was awesome. It was incredible. I still have a picture of holding Lincoln hours old. And I'm surrounded by just such an incredible group of people that I do life with. Like you guys, it was just so much fun. One of the funnest memories. That was great. So you work full time. Your kids play sports. Your husband is a busy police officer. Yes. You're active at church and your life group. How do you juggle it all? Well, I would love to say that it is perfect, polished, and and flawless, but that would just be completely unrealistic. (laughs) I don't do it well. I don't do it all. There's many days where I've got several balls juggling or plates in the air spinning and and one falls it's like you know the mom fails of you know show up at school forgot the project run back we didn't have lunch I was the mom that forgot this and then there's days at work that the email's late but um at the end of it all I I have an incredible village I think the saying where it takes a, a village to raise a family I have one and my mother is the chief in this village and she makes the world go round helping as a retired Grammy. Uh, much of her life is helping just juggle and move around my kids and taxi them here and there. And then I just have an, a phenomenal group of women in my life and relationship and community that if I did not have them, I don't think I would even make it day to day. And I have a husband who extends me a lot of grace that I need to be able to realize that you're not going to be perfect in all places. We Mm -hmm. are all in process and motherhood is definitely the place to learn that. Mm -hmm. So, so do you have any secrets? Um, I would say that, you know, we run with a really tight routine. My husband is extremely scheduled. His idea of on time is about 20 minutes early. Mine's about 20 minutes late. So (laughs) we have a tendency to fall in there, uh, somewhere in between, but just, we're very routined. We we try to run a schedule that really allows everybody to get to the things they need to get to, but we find pockets in and throughout those those hours, those days. If it's a quick run through, giving myself some grace that today dinner is not on the table, it's going to be a drive through night and mm-hmm. just get over it and realize that that's real life. Right. But I think my biggest one is just the routine. It really helps us stay on course. Um, my kids are wired that way. My husband is definitely, mm-hmm. as you know, his background, that's good for him. And that helps us keep the course. Right. Well, I like finding those pockets to connect because really it's not about quantity. It's about that quality that we spend with each other. So Absolutely. Do you have any pet peeves? Oh, sister. Um, yes, I do. Probably my biggest pet peeve is really fake like the fact that we're sitting at the messy table, your, your, your podcast alone is full of truth, but it's not polished and perfect because no one is. That's Mm-mm. humanity. Right. We have, I mean, there's depravity in that. I appreciate people who I do life and I do life with real. I don't do casual in anything I do. I'm intentional with trying to let people know that this is who I am. I will not pretend to have it all together. You'll even hear more of my story, how I do not have it all together, but 
just people who are real mm-hmm. and authentic is huge. And the, the fakeness of, um, I feel like social media does a lot of that today, yeah. not intentionally, but we just, yeah. everybody can, you know, I think it's the highlight reels. We compare so much and you're never ever, you're, you're behind the scenes is never going to measure up. So no. Yeah, absolutely. Right. Well, my behind the scenes right now, as we were just laughing about, <laughs> so we are recording this at my actual messy kitchen table. Yeah, I and I had some friends that told me I need to do, do a little better with the audio. So I need to put some pillows and blankets around to make the sound absorb. So it's not so echoey. So it looks kind of like looks... a bed at the table right now. <laughs> <laughs> it looks cozy. That's what I say. Yeah. I, if I get tired and I need to lay down, I have a pillow. Then you're ready. Right next we take a little break it's fine (laughs) well as we come into christmas many families are gathering together and it's such a beautiful thing but there's also a darker and heavier side for some people and their pain is often hidden or invisible i know it's not easy but will you share some of your story and what you've been through absolutely um it is the holidays can be a lot for people much of my story that i would start with begins when i was early around three or four um i have an incredible family i talked about the village that i have but Um, I did come from a broken family. Um, In fact, so did my husband. So we're two very broken people who saw a lot of dysfunction growing up. And we serve a redeeming God who has brought us together in a big way. But a big part of my story began when I was younger. uh, Around the age of three, four is about the earliest that I can remember. That um, specifically around the holidays, I would encounter a particular family member. And... um, he would abuse me over and over sexually. So uh, sexual abuse was very rampant in my family. Now, outside of it, since I've gotten older, it's even inbreded in both sides. So my mom's side of my family, my dad's side of the family, I have a lot of people who've who've faced this very same thing. And the statistics at one point um, were, I believe it was for women or girls, uh, one in four. Mm -hmm. And for boys, it was like one in six. I don't know if that's since changed, but... Yes, I remember hearing about that during that hashtag Me Too movement um, that really went viral back in October when women all over the U.S. and really the world were sharing their own stories of sexual abuse or harassment and just bringing awareness to the fact that women who feel alone in this are in fact not alone. Not at all. And I'm sure that struck a nerve with you. Absolutely. Um, Hearing so many different stories of people that you would just think outside looking in, you would be surprised to know that they've lived a life that has been inbred in abuse, whether that's physical or sexual in nature, all the way from harassment that you were talking about. That mm-hmm. movement has had a big impact for sure. Um, it started anywhere between the ages of three and four that I can remember. And holidays were really probably the most prevalent time that I would encounter this family member and went through years of that all the way up through grade school. And these encounters would become sometimes more frequent and Uh, I didn't know how to say anything. Um, Unfortunately, a lot of pedophiles are really good at grooming their victims in certain ways to make them feel that either this is a special way that I will say and show you that I love you or we can't tell anybody um, because they won't believe you or your family will leave you, which is what was was shared with me. If I was to share or... Kind of a threat. It is. It's a threat um, and very manipulative that if I were to say anything that my family would leave me. So I didn't. I didn't say anything for a very, very long time. Up in grade school, uh, where I got a little bit more courage that I wanted to, my parents at that point divorced, and that was kind of the pinnacle of everything coming to a head because much of my behavior that I would act out was always attributed back to the divorce. Um, In fact, the family member who uh, had done this approached me at that point one time and let me know that that's really why my dad was leaving because 
he knew. So I did not say anything for almost another year, Mm -hmm. but my behavior began to get really irrational um, at that point, almost like a, a toddler would behave when your parent would leave with separation anxiety. Mm-hmm. I would not let my mom out of sight. Mm-hmm. Um, just had a very warped understanding of love and a dependency, a lot of self body image issues. Um, I didn't know how to do relationship well with any kind of boy in my life. Um, so I really looked to others to define me and not Christ. And I kind of lost my identity in the Lord, even though I grew up in church and like, I was still in church in that time. It was just a, it was a whirlwind of emotions mm-hmm. and understanding. And there's some defining moments that I would love to share with you at some point about just how God really got me through that. <laughs> in fact, one of them, I guess I could share now. Um, there was a gentleman that my parents divorced. We were in Stillwater. His name is John Talley. He's highly involved now with OSU Athletics. Um, through FCA. And at the time he was my youth pastor. And this man had the patience of Job to take me under his wing. Obviously in a divorce, my dad wasn't as present. And at the time we really weren't all that close. And so I'm, I'm thankful that this man came into my life and allowed me to really kind of see what a patient father figure type would look like. Again, not because I mean, my dad just, we, I couldn't see him as much when you're going through a divorce. It was shared time. So I wish I could have had more time with him, but I'm very thankful for this man, mm-hmm. godly man who was just very patient with me um, and just really took me under his wing. And I think I was in huge need of that, just seeing a functional male figure in my life that was consistent, um, that loved me like Christ intended a man to do Mm -hmm. because much of the relationships that if I was in anything, I mean, even I remember the first time I had a crush on a boy, it was so convoluting in my mind, like how to process that. Mm -hmm. Like, why do I think about this person, um, this boy that I want to have a crush on? And then why is someone else coming? It it was just Mm -hmm. very confusing. A lot of different emotions that you feel a lot of different triggers. Um, this particular individual in the family smoked. And so even to this day, if I'm around a cigarette or something, you can have a moment or a trigger instead of hating those. I'm actually kind of thankful for those moments because it just gives you a little quick check in your spirit that, Mm -hmm. you know, God is still um, working in that part of my life and anything to draw me near to him. It's always going to be a good thing. Mm -hmm. So how eventually did you tell your mom? So uh, uh, many years had passed again, kind of in the thick of my parents' divorce. Um, I waited almost a, a full year Um, within that year, we had a couple of big incidences. One, a boy had broken up with me, a little boyfriend on the playground or something of that nature. I found a glass bottle that was broken and I attempted to slip my wrists. And that's Hmm. not normal, normal behavior for a little girl. Um, so that was, there was many issues of, of behavior that would come up that were red flags. The separation anxiety was one of them. The night that I actually sat down with my mom and finally said something, I had been at a friend's house and we had been playing, which was not normal. I went from this outgoing, vivacious personality in a kid to really clingy and very dependent. I wouldn't let my mom out of her, out of my sight. And she had, um, was going to run an errand and she'd come across the street to pick me up. They said, she's Lindsay's playing. Don't worry about it. They're having fun. My mom left and I actually heard the door close and I asked where my mom was. They said she'd be back in a minute. And I just darted out the door. I chased her down a couple blocks, um, uncontrollably crying, um, out to my mom. She finally saw me in the rearview mirror. What is going on? I couldn't even catch my breath. Just you're leaving. You said you were never going to leave me. My mom just said at that point, there was a trigger in her that this is, Mm, this is not, something's wrong. 
Yeah. Really wrong. She took me home, set me down, and I, I began to kind of unfold hours later of coaxing and her promising me that she wasn't going to leave me because I was so afraid that the one person that I was so close to was going to turn around and leave too. Um, so I remember telling her I really didn't know the words, mm. as a lot of kids don't, and just began to explain to her that this family member had been touching me in this way, and I, if I said anything, that everybody wouldn't believe me, everybody would leave, um, and I was so afraid. So thankfully, my mom just was so patient with me, and her reaction was amazing, and she just loved on me in that moment. Mm-hmm. So I could I, I could can imagine that. now being a mom. <laughs> I know what she was going through as well. She's a, a rock. I don't understand how she's faced and walked this road. I, I say over and over, she deserves a purple heart hmm. to survive me as a teenager, even in the years to come and just in that moment. But yeah, we, we, we sat down. We, I told her everything that I could in my little mind as a grade school kid to explain. And, and she immediately sprung into action to get me into some proper counseling and some resources and Um, I I attribute it today that, you know, we went to a counselor very quickly after that. And I remember sitting down with the counselor and my mom was there too. And she just started shouting out all these statistics that I could potentially be pregnant, you know, at a very, very young age and just other statistics that were very disheartening. I don't think that any mom would want to hear that could potentially happen with your child. And, um, I was going to have a lot of issues with men and just relationships and, Um, Some of which did happen, but I remember my mom walking out of there and hitting her knees, even in the car before we left, tears sobbing and her just grabbing my hand and us just coming before, Mm. crying out to Jesus to Mm. do what only he could do and begin to heal her and me. And just my mom has an incredible faith and without her and and her prayers, I don't think Mm. I'd be sitting at this table. (laughs) I know I wouldn't tear up. So how did this circumstance mess with how you viewed yourself? Um, Even today, as a 37-year-old woman, I would say I have a very low self-esteem overall and a lot of body image issues. Comparison has been probably one of the most crippling things for me throughout Mm -hmm. my life. But thankfully, we serve a God who is just every day... I'm thankful for the scripture where he talks about the renewing of your mind Mm -hmm. Um, and that his mercies are new every day Mm -hmm. because I... Without that, I don't think I would even begin to see myself in, in the identity of who I am in Christ. Mm-hmm. Um, I went through some awful seasons where early on I just looked to people and relationships of others, mainly boys, and for that matter, men as I got older, to define my worth instead of my identity in Christ. Right. So it really it really was. It was very challenging, I think, early on for all of that. And it's even something, like I said, I still deal with today. Um, so that's been, it's been hard to see how I view myself. Mm-hmm relationships with others too. It's been very, uh, I don't, I didn't do independency. Well, I was extremely dependent upon other relationships. I was kind of that needy person in the relationships, both in friendships as well as in any kind of romantic relationship. So, uh, it did, it shaped a lot of what that looks like, but now coming out of a lot of that on the other end, I want to be the person that always wants to try to be the one to help someone. Mm-hmm. I want to encourage someone, um, especially if they're going through this right now. Your worth is in Christ. It is not in what someone has done to you, mm-hmm. what someone has said about you. The shame and the guilt and all these things, I would carry that as if I had done something wrong. I deserved this. And even... Which is such a lie. Oh, it mm-hmm. is. The enemy is so cunning. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's the thing I want people to also know is that anyone listening to this today, like your worth is in Christ. You matter. And 
even all the mistakes that I made out of that, um, and even today that I continue to fall short as we all do, we serve a God with unconditional love. Mm -hmm. That's true love. That's, that's redeeming love. And I've just, I'm so thankful for that because without that, I wouldn't be here today. Mm -hmm. And sometimes we have to stand on his promises, even when we don't feel them. I know I've dealt with that a lot lately where I almost physically, although it's mentally, I almost have to just picture myself standing on his promises because I might not feel that what he says is true or or something that he says about me is true. And just going, you know what, God, I don't feel this way right now, but I'm going to take you at your word and I'm going to believe you and trust you even when I don't feel it. Absolutely. And I'm thankful that he knows what we need when we don't know what we need. Mm -hmm. And he is more than enough Mm -hmm. because people are going to let you down. Mm -hmm. I mean, my whole family didn't believe me just as uh, this family member said, and my mom did, but none of our, our entire family really did at that point. So I'm so thankful that had I allowed that to be the only reason that I never would share my story Mm -hmm. or come out or get help, which is a lot of people don't, they still haven't said anything today. And I pray that people will, because that's, you're going to continue to carry this into other things of your life. And it's going to manifest itself in a way that you're not even prepared for that Mm -hmm. you can even begin to understand decisions that you make relationships and choices. And, um, it's really important that people get counseling and get in the word. Mm -hmm. So I want to hear about how this affected your marriage once you met Renee and Mm -hmm. got married. Um, well, actually when I was in college, um, I think my, my mom again survived so much of my high school and teen years. I don't know how she did it. Thankfully, I got a lot of the mess-ups out of my life at that phase. And when I went to college, where I'm on my own, I really began to get involved into local Christian communities of things, and anywhere from FCA to the Baptist Student Union, just things on campus that would put me... I needed to be surrounded by some godly people Mm -hmm. and godly counsel, and I started a book called Choosing God's Best. Mm -hmm. And any boy that was interested in me, I would offer them and tell them they have to read this book. And That's amazing. Nope, nobody read it. <laughs> Most guys are like, wait, what? And it's been nice meeting <laughs> you. I'll see you later. But Renee read the book. And we joked this day that it's he like... Passed he, he passed the test. He passed the test. If you hear his brother tell it, it's comical. Uh, he's one of, one of the books, the only books that they, we joked that he's read in his life and had notes in the margins in like two days. So um, he passed the test. And most importantly, he is so patient as far as how I viewed myself. Um, I couldn't ask for a husband or a person that would be more understanding about body image. You know, you have kids. Nothing's the same. Let's just be honest. It doesn't look pretty. And gravity takes its place. (laughs) Right. And so I am married to a man who has never once made me feel less than um, physically and, and even just in the mistakes that I make day to day because I do. And he has been very gracious to me. I mean, early on in our marriage, we had some moments where I just didn't, I didn't know boundaries. I'm even still to this day. Um, I'm actually back in counseling as a, as an adult through a phase of my life that I'm learning more about new challenges that, um, boundaries as being one of them. And my husband's just been so patient through mm-hmm. so much of that. And I'm so loyal and just understanding it would take mm-hmm. a lot of men, might not stay around for that. And he, he does. He mm-hmm. chooses to. He's a good one. And so speaking of Renee, I think it's pretty crazy. The line of work that he's in mm-hmm. that deals a lot with what you've been through. Can you kind of explain yeah. what he does? He is a police officer in uh, the community in which we live. And he's actually a detective at this time. And 
probably I would say 80 to 90% of his caseload is um, crimes against kids. And the majority of them often being sex crimes for that matter, or physical abuse of some kind. He really understands day to day what these victims go through. And mm-hmm. he has such a passion and, and, and a heart to vindicate their lives and to bring justice to the situation Mm -hmm. and to make sure that these predators are fully prosecuted. And he has a passion for that. Like I've never seen, I don't know how he deals with what he deals with, but I'm thankful. And I think that this has given him even more insight to being understanding how I deal with things with our children. Mm -hmm. So perfect example, even today, I I have trouble, I struggle with trusting people with my children naturally, even family members sometimes for that matter, because in my circumstance, it was a very close family member. Mm -hmm. And so, um, unfortunately because of that, um, my kids hardly have sleepovers and Mm -hmm. I feel so bad. Um, they get invited to birthday parties or, you know, and how well do you know someone? And even it can be an incredible family. I don't think that's bad. I mean, obviously we have to trust some people, but I think it's okay to set those boundaries and to not, you know, sleepovers are a whole thing these days that I'm like, eh, no, I don't, I don't, you know. Right. And I'm just thankful that I have a husband who's understand. I mean, we're on the same page Mm -hmm. and he really allows me to kind of direct that ship and follows a little bit of my lead in that. Mm -hmm. If I'm not comfortable, if I have a check in my spirit, if I have a concern around that, and I am so thankful because maybe, you know, him doing the line of work he does, I think he's even more on guard and alert to that too. So, Mm -hmm. well, and I bet your experience actually kind of fuels a deeper passion for how he's helping these people and what they've gone through and helps him understand even more. um, not only what you went through, but also what these people are going through because he has seen the pain in your life. Absolutely. No doubt. No doubt. God knew what he was doing when he brought us together, even though I had like a heavy lead foot and joke all the time that I should never have married a police officer because I had so many tickets, but maybe that's a good thing because I've gotten out of a lot of them. So, you know, it, it's something that I, I'm so thankful for him as my husband because um, we still don't have it together. We're still working through many, many things. Boundaries being one of the things that I'm learning more and more about myself that when you're a, a child early on and boundaries are set and you, you learn um, what's appropriate and what's not appropriate, so much of that was blurred. And even early on in our marriage, we, we faced some really tough terrain because I didn't understand some of those boundaries Mm -hmm. and in relationships and with just people. And I I definitely have a heart that I want to help and I mean, well, and I would get too close too quickly with a lot of people that I am married to a man who's more of a hermit and stay at home and everything is within an arm's length or more. Mm-hmm. Um, his circles are, I don't even know if he quite has a circle outside of like <laughs> his, his identical twin brother, um, outside of that and some of the family. But, um, I'm thankful that he reels me in because I have a tendency to probably extend my arms too much and I want to help so many people and, those boundaries can get blurred very quickly. And I, I have definitely struggled in that. And I am again, even now and and where I'm at in my life, I'm learning more and more about how to set those boundaries and to make sure that I stay within that. Mm -hmm. So how are you able to get through something as terrible as this? Um, I think it's truly a day by day in the thick of it. It was probably hour by hour for my mom specifically. And so I think it's, Um, a lot of healing that had to take place. Um, God in his goodness, one of the scriptures that I clung to early, early on in my life, I remember the first time I shared my testimony at an inner city kids camp. And, um, this was, 
probably my freshman or sophomore year in high school. So we're, we're a handful of years outside of the incidents happening. Um, but I'd been through counseling at that point. And one of the scriptures that I clung to throughout that entire thing is my favorite scripture to this day, Isaiah 41:10. Do not fear for I am with you. Do not be dismayed for I am your God and I will strengthen you and I will help you and I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. And I remember at the end of the camp, we were at like a three day summer kids camp in our city. And I was asked to share my testimony, not which hardly anyone knew about at that point that was sitting in the room. And I was standing in the room and I began to share my testimony and when we finished, and I remember talking to a small, I mean, these are young kids, there was not room for how many children came forward that were currently being abused in some capacity in their home. I remember the director pulling me aside going, we don't even have the capacity to take care of this. We've got to call in some resources and, and some backup here. Mm, so wow. I remember sitting there in that hour and having a moment of, Instead of the why me, why God, where were you? Mm -hmm. That transitioning, literally in that moment of, I understand why, Mm -hmm. and I get what you're doing here, and this is so much bigger than me, and there's so many people who need to hear my story, and you're going to do a healing in them that I could never imagine Mm -hmm. and And get them out of a situation. Right. Well, and again, God doesn't cause it, but he can work through it. And it makes me think of, um, Joseph's story, you know, whenever his brothers sell him into slavery and he goes to Egypt, but he ends up basically saving his people because of it. And in Genesis 50, Joseph says to his brothers, you intended to harm me, but God intended it for good. He brought me to this position so I could save the lives of many people. And again, God didn't necessarily cause that, but he no, works through it. Absolutely. And we see that every single day in our lives. Absolutely. He takes ashes and makes beauty. I mean, mm-hmm. we are broken vessels and clay that I am not worthy to even be sitting at this table. I'm still a work in progress to this hour. Me too. And me neither. (laughs) (laughs) But yet he takes the broken and makes it beautiful. Mm -hmm. And I'm thankful for that. So were you ever able to forgive this man or is that something that you're still battling with? Um, I am thankful to tell you that that is something that again, all God, no doubt, because it doesn't make sense humanly, but I was able to forgive him at a very early age. Probably I don't have like a defining moment in a counseling setting or even in a moment where I was on my knees crying out to God of a forgiveness moment. I remember just almost feeling sorry a little bit for him, but my mom and I began to pray when, when we shared what had happened to the rest of the family and nobody believed me, um, we began to pray for protection for other family members. Mm -hmm. Um, my mom had some nieces and I had some cousins that we were concerned about and just to pray for their protection and that the truth would come out and, um, that this person would get the help that they need. And so, um, fast forward 14 years, I was getting married and it was shortly after my wedding day. Uh, I went on my honeymoon and I came back and I remember the hour where my mom shared with me that, um, some circumstances had happened. Thankfully, no one physically had been, nothing physically had happened to anyone that we knew of, but early on, um, something did come out and finally the truth came forward and he admitted to doing some of this to me. It was very played down, almost yeah. as if it was a one-time thing. And he ended up going to like a sex rehab. And thankfully in that moment, I had um, an epiphany that God just really kind of brought to me <clears throat> our story of redemption even more when my mom was invited to family week. I was actually a little angry that I wasn't invited. I was offended, I guess. I thought I should be there. Right. right? I'm a big part of the story too. Big like, part. Come on. Um, 
But more importantly for his healing, like he needed to hear what all he had really done. So whether or not he didn't want to admit that or whether or not he wouldn't even understand or begin to acknowledge that because of the own things that happened in his life, he needed to hear that that story really happened. There were a lot more instances involved in that Mm -hmm. and there were years in there and then, you know, so he could get his healing. So fast forward, I wrote a letter and I remember writing this letter and um, just defining moments, um, times that things took place. And at the end of that letter, sharing with him that I forgive you completely. And I remember that hour where I have a defining moment too in my life where God just kind of showed me, I forgave you. Mm. I died on a cross for you. Mm-hmm. You, we all have sinned. We've all fallen short. And yes, his sin had different ramifications and we all do. Yeah. I mean, that varies, but sin is sin. Yeah. And God loves him just as much as he loves me. Mm-hmm. And wow. it was huge for my mom, I think, because she had a really hard time, really hard time forgiving. Mm-hmm. And as a mother, I can't imagine. Mm-hmm. It's different when it's happening maybe to you versus yeah. your children. Sure. Right? Oh yeah. I can, I can see that. Absolutely. But that was huge. And so being able to, to send that letter and someone else share that, I think, and I, I hope and pray that it was healing for him because mm-hmm. I think that he's been able to get some of the help that he needed. Um, and thankfully the truth came out and the family knows. And a lot of them came to me with just an apology of, I had no idea. Mm-hmm. I wanted to believe that a divorced little girl would just make that up rather than believe that this person could be capable mm-hmm. of something. And admit so that he had actually done these really awful things. And it reminds me, I heard this pastor speaking one time and he was talking about, if I had an hour to share the gospel with someone, I would want to spend 45 minutes on how we have done so much wrong and how we are sinners and how none of us are good enough um, and show them basically their separation from God, their depravity. Um, and then 15 minutes sharing the goodness of the gospel because a lot of it is self-awareness, us realizing that, no, we have yes. sinned. We do fall short of the standard of God and we do need a savior because if we don't realize we need a savior, if we don't realize we need forgiveness, then right. we can't accept the gift. gift. Right. Absolutely. So what do you want other women to know, especially the women who have gone through something similar? I want them to know they're not alone and I want them to find freedom in Christ because you're not a statistic. You are a daughter of the King. He made you for a purpose and a place and it's not at the the act of someone else. You didn't deserve this. You didn't ask for it. And you're not just a victim. Mm-hmm. Um, and I want them to realize that there is hope. All the statistics and the things that you hear early on from my mom were absolutely paralyzing for her. And what I love is that... Just basically we, just fear. Fear. Yeah. All fear. And when you hit your knees, God can begin to create a story and do something beautiful. Like mm-hmm. I said truly taking brokenness and ashes and things that don't make sense and making something great. Right. And he's done just that. Which is the story of the Bible. That's what he does. That's, that's the God we serve. Amen. Amen to that. One thing I think I would want people to also know is just if this has happened to you, this does not define who you are. You're not used in broken goods. Um, you have value, you have worth, and God has a story in you that he wants to bring healing to and a testimony that could change lives just mm-hmm. as much. So whether you're thinking of taking your own life, I've watched people walk this road and don't see any value or worth hang on, mm-hmm. um, whether they're, you know, taking a lot of meds or whatever they feel like they have to numb the pain with alcohol, anything. The only thing that is going to bring you healing and restoration is Christ. Mm-hmm. And I would want them to know that he has a plan and a purpose for your life. And he will use this for a story that is greater than anything you could think or imagine. So what are some things that have been helpful to you as you've walked down this journey? Um, 
I would tell anyone who's in this moment and this time that you, you, you need a community of people and you need resources around you as far as scripture, um, the word, prayer, um, books. Uh, I've learned a lot. Um, one of the books I'm even reading most recently is called For Women Only. And some of the things that manifest themselves differently, I got a lot of counseling as a child and I felt like I overcame some things in my teen years and, and even in my 20s. But in marriage. I wasn't prepared for marriage. I wasn't prepared for children, some of my own fears and concerns. And so this book right here is really just kind of helps me how to relate a little bit more to my husband. Um, she really just talks through how so many men do have feelings they want to bear and thoughts and things they want to share. They just don't open up those inner parts as much as often a lot of times women will. Mm -hmm. We're just way more emotional about things. And definitely in my household, conversational. I mean, how many thousands of words do women say in a day? I know. My husband talks about that meeting my quota. Do you need to go meet your quota with some women? (laughs) Yeah. Well, Which I think means maybe he's ready to go to bed. Yeah. And mine is, can I have this uh, Sports Center highlights version of your day today, dear? I'm sorry. I'm really tired. (laughs) Yes, great. Got it. Okay. Um, so I, I definitely having an outlet like that. Um, so whether it's, you know, a book that's really kind of helping you understand more, um, your partner and how to understand yourself. Um, and then the community. I mean, I think back to the life group, I mean, Jen, that started with you and, you know, 10 years ago and the women that have been in my life, um, the accountability, I, I would not even sit here at this table and have this hour in this moment without them. Whitney is one of my bestest friends. Um, I'm so thankful for her. Latanya's another one. We joke um, that she's my Paco. If anybody follows Pastor Craig, they understand that as mm-hmm, that's his mm-hmm. workout partner for right. 20 years. She's mine. And we try to solve the world's problems and, you know, world peace at, at 5 like 5am as she says it. <laughs> <laughs> so if I didn't have multiple women in my life, Jen, yourself, just these types of things and relationships... I have a childhood best friend that God brought into my life and accountability all through college, Christy, Katie. Some of these, he just brought people in and out of those hours that were so pivotal. Um, But I I think back to the scripture in Exodus where Moses, the only time the Israelites were winning is when his hands were raised against uh, the Amalekites, I believe, that they were fighting. And you sit there and you look at that and he became tired. He became weak. He became weary and his hands would fall and they would lose. And her came in and Aaron came in and held his hands up. And you look at that and God did not intend for us to walk through life alone. Mm -mm. And definitely not to carry the burdens that we're carrying Mm -hmm. like this. And that's what the enemy wants. He wants you to cover it. He wants you to keep it quiet. Mm -hmm. Um, And if he can bear it in a family and break apart a family and cause things to come out in other forums and manifest itself differently, that's what's going to happen. If I didn't have these women to hold my hands up, even today and some of the darkest hours of things that I face as a mom and as a wife, I would fail miserably. I I do anyway, but I'm thankful that I have that accountability, that Mm -hmm. I have those friendships that help hold me up. And, and without them, I wouldn't be able to make it. Mm-hmm. You mentioned the enemy, and I just want to reference Revelation twelve eleven, which is a huge part of the inspiration for this little podcast. And it talks about the accuser, Satan, when he is thrown down. And it says, they defeated him by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimonies. And they did not love their lives so much that they were afraid to die. And, you know, we might not be being persecuted right now today in suburbia, Oklahoma, America, 
but we have a call to die to ourselves every single day. And that's what you're doing right now, Lindsay. I know that this is so hard. Um, In fact, this has been probably a year in the making of a conversation of prayer. And it's Mm -hmm. a hard thing to step out. Absolutely. But I just, this verse, I mean, it almost makes me, I don't know, want to run a marathon and go out and fight a war and then also just cry because when I read this the first time, it almost surprised me. They defeated him by the blood of the lamb. That's Jesus. We know that. And the word of their testimony. And man, what a powerful thing that God chooses to use us. Absolutely. Another resource that's really helpful is the book, The Armor of God by Priscilla Shire. And that particular book, what she talks about, the scripture that stands out is in Ephesians, putting on the full armor of God. And for me, it is a battle every day. I mean, really at the end of the day, the enemy is not the pedophile that I faced or the challenges motherhood that maybe you're facing or whatever is in your darkest hour or your biggest struggle. It's not really the struggle. It's the principalities that we face in this world. Mm -hmm. And we have to put on the armor of God every day, the breastplate of righteousness, the helmet of salvation. And I think for me, there's days where my mentor, God lover, Julie Korf, she cracks me up. She will text me and touch base with me and ask me how I'm doing in my struggle and in my own stuff and asking me about the armor. And I'm like, girl, the armor is with me, but it is in my trunk today. Mm -hmm. And I probably need to pull it out and put it on. And (laughs) you know, that's real world. And so, but we have to be ready because we don't know when we're going to be in battle and you don't know at what hour or what thing you could face that could be a trigger or could be whatever. And so if you're, you're, if you're in the word and if you're covered in the armor, you're ready to deflect the the enemy's arrows. And Mm -hmm. so that's a huge thing that has really helped me face this entire challenge of my life. It's a good point. I don't want to pretend for a moment that I have it all together as far as daily a quiet time and getting on your face and, and prayer time. And I want so hard for people to realize that you don't have to arrive in order to begin to share this and mm. begin to get help. We're all a work in progress. Mm-hmm. And it almost seems that stepping into the pain and surrendering it to God is actually the first step towards healing. Like Absolutely. I think even this is probably healing. Oh, very much so. Just mm-hmm. even talking to my mom mm-hmm. before I came and her sharing some stories about those hours and that time for her. I think this has even been a therapeutic in mm-hmm. nature for her to kind of talk and walk through some of that. And it definitely is for mm-hmm. me because this is long ago. Right. I haven't brought this up in quite some time. Mm-hmm. Masterpieces are made in some of the messiest moments ever. Mm-hmm. So what's one final word of encouragement you want women listening to know? I would just want anyone listening to know that if you're facing something really challenging right now, if you're in a hard time, um, even if you're facing something like this or just anything at this point, you are made in your father's image. Mm-hmm. He designed you in your mother's womb, mm-hmm. perfect in nature and flawless. And there's an unconditional love. There's nothing you can do to separate his love from you. I mean, nothing. As far as the East is from the West, he has covered it. So for anyone who's doubting um, that they're they're not worth it or their own struggle or their own... We all have struggles. We all have stories. And this is mine. This was my cross to bear. This was my struggle. I think that everybody has a story Mm -hmm. and the stories make us human. And if you can just realize that God loves you and he can meet you where you are right now, I don't care how tough the storm looks, there is light and that's often the darkest before the dawn. So whatever you're facing, whatever you're dealing with, whatever struggle you're in, mm-hmm. um, it could be literally in the middle of a child that is going through this. It could be an adult who's never said anything about this, or it could even be just motherhood and mm-hmm. the messiness just of life. that yeah. life. And um, But that's part of it. We live in a, a fallen world and we're messy, but we are truly 
messy in moments that God turns around and makes into a masterpiece if we allow him to do that. Mm -hmm. And remember that it's by God's grace that we are saved. It's not by us trying so hard to get it together and doing all these works or whatever it might be, that it's by his grace alone. And so even if you are not a follower of Christ, but you want to accept that grace, that, that all you have to do is say yes. So, Amen. That's so true. Well, Lynn, thank you for just reminding us that no matter what the enemy throws our way, we are more than conquerors in Christ, and he's the one who redeems all things. So thank you for being here. Thank you for just opening up your heart. I know you had to kind of dig a little to bring some of this stuff up, and it's not in vain, and we just appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. And again, I I can't believe I'm actually sitting here at this comfy table with the pillows. I love it. (laughs) I'm honored. Thanks for having me. Well, I just want to add that if you've been through something traumatic, whether similar to Lindsay's story or different, our enemy wants to keep you isolated and lead you to believe that you're stuck there forever, or even that God prefers to stay a safe distance away from your mess. But Psalm 34:18 says, The Lord is close to the brokenhearted. He rescues those whose spirits are crushed. So remember, God is close. Also, tell someone you trust if you're struggling or if you're in an unhealthy relationship. That's absolutely the first step towards healing. Well, we know this is heavy content for the holidays, but we also believe that God can use it to loosen chains, stir forgiveness, and start the healing process. Because He is a God who redeems. As always, you can subscribe to The Messy Table on iTunes or sign up for email updates on my website at ginjil.com, where you can also find the conversation notes for this episode. Well, from my messy table to yours, I want to wish you a very Merry Christmas. <laughs>